But the aim is really as a subscription provider to accompany your customer and to provide the best experience possible. I'm not saying best product possible, but kind of best solution, best experience. Welcome to Subscriptions Scale, sponsored by Rebar Technology. Join us each week to hear from industry leaders in the subscription space, share their best tips and stories, and learn how you can up-level your subscription business today. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Subscription Scaled. I'm your host, Nick Frederick. With me today is Florian Andre, who is the CEO and founder of P2S Consulting. Florian, welcome to the show. Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I guess I should say good evening to you since you're uh, based in Belgium and it's a little later on in the day there, huh? Almost half past 9 p.m., but yeah. Thanks for making the time and you're taking the time out of your evening. Let's start at the beginning. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about your consulting business. Well, um, I'm, I'm Florian, 25 years old, CEO and founder, first maybe, of P2S Management Consulting. P2S stands for kind of the going from products towards subscriptions. Basically, maybe a little bit about uh, my background, kind of how it started. Um, I studied here in, in Brussels, in Belgium, uh, in Europe, business, pretty like general studies, let's say. I did a couple of, um, of internships and, and consulting projects uh, throughout my th- studies. Um, and the, during the last project, uh, which was in, in the logistics industry, it was about kind of coming up with what are business models which are sustainable yet profitable. And this is where I came across um, subscription uh, business models. Or it was product service systems, which is kind of the academic term for, for subscription business models. I was fascinated, to be honest, at that point about what subscription models are and how they work and that they've been around uh, with Rolls-Royce in the 1960s already, 60 years ago. And basically, I decided to write my master thesis at the university about how do you go from transactional, traditional product selling business model towards a subscription business model and kind of what are the obstacles which you need to overcome and most importantly, kind of the outcome was how do you overcome these obstacles, right? And then I was in contact with, with nine companies, which are all market leaders in their specific industry, but they've all implemented, successfully implemented a subscription business model. Companies such as Royce Royce, as I said, Michelin, the tires, Atlas Cupco, and uh, Hilt, for instance, uh, the drills. And basically, while interacting with these companies, I kind of got like, what are the best practices? What are the things which you need to implement if you want to succeed in your subscription transformation? A lot of companies are going to say, yeah, but kind of my industry and my business, it's very special and it's very unique. Yes, but kind of what I've seen is that in most cases, I would say almost 80%, you have kind of the same patterns which come uh, every single time. And so basically what I did is kind of coming up with an action plan, a subscription transformation action plan, as we call it, to guide and to kind of structure the transformation phase. And so basically... It was a master thesis, but then it kind of became right after university kind of a job. And I was like, okay, why don't you try to kind of sell this action plan, this kind of accompanying companies on their subscription transformation to some companies, but mostly in the industrial sector. And kind of this is how P2S was born in October 2019. So yeah, pretty much exactly two years ago. 
Well, first of all, I have to ask, because I, I hadn't heard it before. What was Rolls-Royce's uh, subscription model back in the 1960s? I hadn't heard of that before. So basically, a bit about the story about Rolls-Royce. In the 1960s, Rolls-Royce produced an engine which was impeccable, perfect quality, which was, I would say, too good for the market. It was so good, but it came with a price tag, which was quite, a, quite high, let's say. And so basically, they produced an engine which was too expensive for the market. But the potential customer said, yes, you have an amazing engine, but it's too expensive for us. How did Rolls-Royce cope with this situation? They thought about a new business model. And this new business model was not selling the turbine. So basically, yeah, I forgot to say, Rolls-Royce, not the cars, not the luxury cars, but kind of the, in the, the aerospace industry here. So it's producing the, yeah, jet engines, the engines, yeah, the turbines. So kind of the idea was not to sell a turbine, which can cost between 10 to, to $40 million for one turbine. I mean, on the plane, you need at least two, right? Kind of the idea was here to provide the turbine to the customer and make the customer pay per flying hour. This was the first subscription package. So it was providing the engine to the customer, but like bundling a series of complementary services, such as maintenance, overhauls, spare parts, etc., into a kind of complete pack, which they would provide to the final customer. And the customer, which is an airline company, they would pay per hour where the turbine is running. So basically, this is kind of how it started. And I think it was 1965, where yeah, almost 60 years ago, this is kind of the the first subscription model, at least known to me. That is very interesting. Do they still use this model today? Yes, they still use it today. And they've more than 50% of market share in the passenger segment. That is interesting. So and perfect example of industrial subscription B2B, right? Yes, exactly. So it, this is B2C and chances are that whenever you take a plane, commercial flight and one out of two is that it's powered by a Rolls-Royce engine. Even the competitors took over this kind of, um, Rolls Royce's competitors took this kind of business model uh, as well and are using it. <laughs> adopted the same thing. Well, yeah, that works. Yeah, well, sounds like a great model. I'm curious in, especially here in the US, when consumers in particular hear the word subscription, it, it has a certain association with it of typically a lower priced product. Usually it's something that you're going to get on an interval basis. That's the exact same interval. So you might be paying a price. You're going to get either physical good or access to some sort of digital good for a period of time, whether that, you know, you could put insurance into that category, membership clubs and access to streaming video or things like that. I think that's typically what consumers think of when they think of subscription. It's a pricing arrangement and it's a fixed period of time. But when I think you start talking about industrial, especially B2B applications of subscription, do you think there's a perception that needs to be changed in terms of what that means? And, and especially when we start talking about things like car subscriptions and jet airplane engine subscriptions and things like that, do you ever have to overcome that with your clients of, hey, you might be thinking of subscription as X, but really you need to think about it in a different way? It's really funny that you say that, Nick, because I would say, okay, maybe in the B2C industry, but kind of in the B2B industry, it would be more or less the, the opposite way around in the sense that subscription model would basically allow to have access to a more premium product, actually. So basically here with Rolls-Royce or with other brands, it's kind of, yes, these are products which are premium in most cases, but 
since they're made available via a subscription model, they become, let's say, more affordable, or at least they have a lesser impact on the cash flow of a given customer. So how would you say in that way, that what are the key differences between that and like traditional leasing, where you might have a third party that's kind of financing it for you, but you're just paying perhaps depreciation costs or something like that? We get this a lot, kind of um, customers or, or just people saying, oh, this is leasing, basically. And um, like subscriptions is not leasing. Subscriptions are not leasing. Leasing, I associate it with kind of just, let's say, the financing part. Then you have operational lease where you have kind of a certain series of services which are included. And then on top of that, I would say you have subscriptions. Subscriptions, the product is still there, but you have so many different kind of complementary services which are bundled in this complete pack that in the financing aspect, which is there in the financial lease, it's just um, one feature of the complete subscription uh, offering, I would say. It's, it's not just about the financing aspect. Yes, the financing aspect is very important and you're kind of transforming CapEx to OPEX, so capital expenditures to op operation expenditures. It's tax deductible. Yes, this is one argument. It's one, let's say, commercial tool, but it's not all what uh, subscriptions are about. I think that's been an obstacle for particularly automakers, uh, as some have explored the subscription model. I mean, leases have been around for decades, right? And consumers know leases very well and kind of what that means. But when you start talking about like Volvo's subscription or Ford's subscription, and you start talking about, well, yes, it's you're of course paying for for the depreciating cost of the car itself, but typically maintenance is included. In most cases, insurance is included. You have the rights to upgrade or downgrade at certain points in the life cycle, it really in those ways becomes a very different product, right? Yes, exactly. In the car industry, I mean, you have the classic lease where basically you take a lease for your particular car and then you're, let's say you're stuck with your car for four to five years in general. Maybe you get a fuel card even with it. But uh, this is, let's say, the, the classic lease. Then on the other hand, you have subscription models. I would differentiate between two uh, subscription models, which are on one side kind of what Volvo is offering, what Porsche is offering, what Chrysler is offering. And then you have the car share, which is also kind of subscription model. Maybe on, on one side, Volvo or, or Porsche, they're offering a, a fixed price per month. And then, of course, you have uh, different packs, a light, a medium, and a premium pack. And then with this given pack, you have access to a number of cars, which you can change um, every week if you want to. So basically, if you want to go into the city, you get a, a small car. If you want to go to the, to the mountains, you, you get a 4x4. If you're going to go to the seaside, um, you might get a convertible. This is kind of what the subscription model is about from Volvo or Porsche, which is different from a traditional lease. And then you have kind of the, the car sharing, which is also a kind of subscription where it's more like mobility as a service, I would say car as a service, where as a consumer, you pay per minute or per driven kilometer and everything is included. I mean, taxes, fuel, insurance, even parking tickets. I think the only thing which is not included is kind of speeding fines. Uh, but other than that, everything is included. Well, and, and I think if you look at today's consumers, one of the things that they value the most is flexibility, right? You gave great examples there. My lifestyle might change one week uh, to the next, and 
I don't want to be locked into a car. Number one, the expense of the capital expense of having to either put a big down payment or, or outright buy a, a otherwise expensive vehicle that I don't know if that's really what I'm going to need a few years down the road. Not to mention the very unpredictable costs associated with maintenance and repairs and things like that that can happen along the way. And I think if there's anything we know about, especially younger generations these days, is they just want that freedom. They don't want to be locked into things for a long term. So I think those types of programs are very attractive to them, right? Yes, exactly. Flexibility is very, very important, I think, especially for younger generations. And subscription models allow this. Subscriptions model allow to, you can cancel your subscription, you can upgrade your subscription, you can downgrade your subscription. Of course, there are always conditions. I mean, uh, you can just do it like that without any cost in, in most cases, but you have a lot of flexibility. This is, I think, one aspect which is very, very important, but you have another aspect which I see a lot in the B2B industry and especially in the industrial B2B industry, which is this peace of mind. As a, a customer, you outsource the operational risk of your machine, your product. You don't have it on you. You don't support this risk. You outsource the operational risk towards the subscription provider. This, in some cases, it brings a lot of value, but it's not always easy to put kind of a price tag or a number behind this peace of mind and tranquility. That's a really good point. And I think, in, especially when you're talking about higher ticket items that you know, larger organizations might be using, I bet the CFOs can quantify the amount of money that or access to capital or funds that needs to be there in the event that something does go wrong versus being able to say, no, to your point, I've offloaded that risk to somebody else. Now I've got, I've freed up cash that I can use for other higher value investments instead of kind of the rainy day fund. Yes, exactly. But then sometimes this approach of is not always kind of the best way to go for it in the sense that and which do bring some sort of tranquility of added value to uh, to the customer. I mean, a subscription model, it's, it's hard to compare it, to be honest. We have a customer, for instance, which we work for in, in the ventilation, so the HVAC industry. You have a traditional model where they sell something. So basically, you sell a ventilation system towards your customer. And then there's the subscription offering where you sell, let's say, purified and clean air to the final customer. But you cannot compare just the two models between having your machine on one side, okay, it cost me this much. And then on the other side, the subscription is, okay, the machine plus all the complementary services. You don't compare the same things here. A subscription in the end, it's in most cases going to be more expensive for the customer. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lie, sorry. And kind of why is a company implementing and why does it want to offer some sort of subscription to their customers? Of course, I mean, for me, there are two main arguments. The first one is pretty obvious, the recurring, recurrent revenue. I mean, this is pretty clear to everyone, I, I guess. But then I think which is the more most important part is kind of truly get to know your customers. With a subscription business model, you're able to build a much deeper relationship with your customers and you get a lot more insights about what they like and what they don't like. And this in turn helps to develop your product, to increase and enhance your product. This part of 
building a lasting relationship with your customer, I think this is the most important argument of going for opting for a subscription business model as a company offering a subscription model to your customers. I couldn't agree more. I talk all the time about how, you know, there was loyalty, right? Loyalty programs, points programs, and, you know, recurring customer programs. And then there was subscription over here and these two worlds really didn't interact with each other, but they're really coming together in a whole lot of ways. Um, the whole point in loyalty is to drive recurring engagement with consumers or whoever your customers are. But when you start talking about subscription, it's about predictable revenue. And actually, in a lot of cases, giving your customers access to premium benefits, premium level of service, which again, is one of the things that loyalty is trying to achieve or one of the benefits of loyalty programs. So bringing those two things together, and I think a good example of that in the US is, you know, BP has offered a a kind of a premium loyalty program where for, I think they're, it's like eight or $9 a month, you have access to the lowest priced gas at any station for 50 miles around or something like that. Like you don't have to go from station to station to try to find the best one. We're going to guarantee that we're going to give you the best price. So you're getting recurring revenue from those customers. You're incentivizing them to come to only your stations and not to a competitor across the road. And then you're giving them that peace of mind of, okay, I may have paid for this premium over here, but I know I'm going to save money because as long as I'm coming back to you and part of this program, I'm always going to get the best price. No, exactly. I think there's also an interesting thing to talk about. It's the pricing. In most cases, when you think about a subscription, and basically the funny thing is when you ask someone, okay, what is the first subscription that comes to your mind? Netflix. Okay. This is just good advertisement for them at the moment, but every single time Netflix comes up, to be honest. But the, the funny thing about pricing is you have so many different subscription pricings that exist. I mean, we're always talking about this kind of time-based pricing where you pay a fixed fee every day, every month, every week, every year. This is kind of pretty traditional. But then you have also different sorts of pricing, which is usage-based pricing. You have output-based pricing. You have performance-based pricing. But you have a, di- a lot of different, or you have a combination of all of them. Um, so basically, you have a lot of different pricing strategies. And basically, in a subscription model, the aim is kind of to offer more value to your final customer. And I think that it's best for a subscription provider to kind of try to tie the pricing metric to what the customer is after. If we take an example, Michelin, but um, Goodyear is doing uh, the same. Um, so uh, the, the, the tires, a uh, French company, Michelin, say um, here. But basically, the idea is, yes, they sell tires, but now they've developed a program where they offer driven kilometers. And so basically here, the idea is that for trucks mainly, but they also do it for, for airplanes in terms of landings. But basically, the truck company doesn't buy the tires anymore, but they pay X cents per kilometer driven. And Michelin has an incentive to reduce the downtime, so the, the flat tires. They have an incentive to reduce the consumption also, uh, the, so the fuel consumption. And so basically, what I think, to be honest, which is the most fascinating thing about subscriptions, is that the incentives are aligned of all parties, whether it be the subscription provider, whether it be the customer, or our planet even. Um, basically, if you think about a traditional model, 
kind of you have a company which wants to sell a given product. The company wants to sell it for the highest price possible. And to be honest, they want to sell it as many times as possible with a Isn't this the right that people have had about washing machines and refrigerators and things like that, feeling like manufacturers are only building them to last just past the warranty? Yes, exactly. So basically, you have the manufacturers which want that on one side, and then you have kind of the customers on the other side, which want to pay as little as possible, at least one shot. They want to have a product that lasts as long as possible. But the main thing which they want, they don't want any downtime. They don't want any problems. And so basically with a subscription model, these incentives are aligned. Since in a subscription model, the subscription providers or the manufacturer or the distributor stays the owner of the product. And he stays the owner of the product. So he has an incentive that the product lasts as long as possible. And even if we take the example from cars, cars are parked 95% of the time. As a subscription provider, you would prefer to have a higher utilization rate and have maybe less cars on the market, right? Mm -hmm. So basically, as a manufacturer, you have you want a longer lifespan of products, you want a higher utilization rate, and you know that every single intervention, let's say maintenance intervention, it's going to cut into your margins uh, because you'll have to pay for it. So you have an incentive to develop a product that lasts as long as possible. And from a customer perspective, of course, we are happy because you pay a fixed fee or let's say a stable fee, you don't have these operational risks. But even, let's say, if we take the perspective of our planet where we, we need to come up with sustainable business models and sustainable way of, of doing business, the planet benefits from it as well because you use less resources. They have an incentive, yeah, that, that the product lasts as long as possible. And the interesting thing is also it opens up market a second hand or a third hand or a fourth hand market kind of who is best in place to kind of take back a product than the manufacturer itself they can recycle it they can reuse it they can remanufacture it so this opens up also a lot of possibilities a lot of opportunities to make additional money for manufacturers and distributors absolutely florian i want to get a little bit into your consulting business and what you guys do and and how you serve customers but Let's start with like, tell us about who your target audience is, what your client base looks like, and where are they at in their subscription journey when they come to you? Have they already decided that, yeah, we want to do subscription, we just need to help with how to get there, or are they still trying to help make the business case? Where do you guys come in? So basically, what we do is we help, whether it be manufacturers or distributors, to guide them throughout their subscription transformation journey. So basically, this is what we do as a consulting company, but I don't like to call it consulting in the sense that, yes, we do strategy consulting, but we do the implementation as well together with the client. So it's kind of really accompanying them and, and being an accelerator, let's say. So who do we work with? We're focused on the B2B industrial sector at the moment. Um, but to be honest, we can help any company which produces a physical, tangible good. And to come back on your question about what is the state of their subscription model or their, their advancement, it really depends. But what we see and what works best is if they have already thought about it. So that the management of a company 
have thought about, okay, how do we put in place some sort of recurring business in our given business? But kind of they've thought about it, but either they didn't have the time, uh, they didn't have the knowledge, or they didn't have kind of an action plan. Of, okay, it's cool to think about how we're going to kind of take the business model of Netflix and adapt it to our company, to our business. But concretely, how are we going to do this? And this is kind of where, where we come in place and we say, okay, we have an action plan. We know how to transform your business from a traditional selling model towards a subscription model. And we're going to guide you all the way. Basically, a subscription transformation is going to impact every single department of a company, whether it be pricing, uh, finance, sales, legal department, IT, marketing, whatever. Everything is going to be impacted and everything needs to be adapted. And so basically, our action plan, we guide our clients throughout this whole transformation. And there are, let's say, four big steps, which we, four big chapters that we use to, to guide our clients in the transformation. So talk us through a little bit of then what that process looks like. Okay. Um, so basically, I think it's very, very important to always start with the customer. Uh, when I'm talking about customer, I'm not talking about our clients, but their clients. Um, so basically, you need to start with the customer and kind of figure out what do they actually want. You have to perfectly understand their needs, but also maybe their hidden needs and wants. So you have to come up with that first. In the second chapter, you have to define your subscription offering. So basically, you take all the kind of features which the customers want and you kind of repackage them into a recurring solution, let's say. We work on the pricing, we work on the contract. So these are all things which need to be um, taken into account. Once the kind of subscription offering has been developed, you go to the internal organization. Uh, so basically, there are a lot of things that can change. If you have a traditional selling model, you have salespeople which sell something, but then kind of that's it. In a subscription model, you have salespeople and then you have account managers which have to kind of accompany um, the client throughout the whole duration. So new right. roles have to be created or adapted. Then you have to take into account, okay, maybe a financing structure has to be created where an external bank or financial organization is going to buy the product and kind of offer them again to the customer. So financing has to be accounted for. The accounting implications are going to change. The, the ERP and CRM system is going to be impacted. The sale, the marketing strategy has to be adapted. So basically, you have to really look into the, the organization and we kind of see what needs to change there. And then in the last chapter, we accompany kind of you have to launch your subscription baby, I'm going to say. And you have to launch your subscription. You have to draw a dashboard of KPIs to monitor. You have to fine-tune your model and you have to prepare it to scale it big time. And basically, throughout these four chapters, um, we have a lot of different steps where we organize workshops, presentations, research, interviews, models, etc. And basically, how did we come up with that? Is, as I said before, we've analyzed more than 30 successful. And yes, every single case is unique, but... To be honest, there are a lot of similarities and a lot of patterns which, uh, which come out every time. I will fully agree that when I've walked in and worked with subscription-based businesses, especially those that are built from the ground up that way, 
their structure, their titles, their departments, their roles versus a transactional model, a manufacturer or somebody like that are drastically different. Roles are different. Titles are different. Focus of each individual is different. And just the mindset is different when you talk about recurring relationships versus more transactional ones. But when you're working with clients and going through that transformation, that you talked about the subscription baby that you're going to put out in the market first, they're kind of have a foot on each side for a period of time. So what are some of the challenges you see there while they're trying to straddle two worlds and move through that transformation? The very good news is with subscriptions, there's no, let's say, cannibalism. So basically, companies still continue selling their traditional products in the traditional way. Do you see challenges then in working with, in particular, the sales departments when they're looking at, I can sell this you know, million-dollar piece of machinery and get my spiff versus, oh, I go over here and sell a subscription and it's less upfront, but it's more over a period of time. Do you have to work through those motivations as well? Yes, of course. I mean, um, salespeople, it's a lot about what are the commissions which they're going to, to get in the end. The commissions completely change in a subscription model. Uh, you can, you're incentivized whether if you manage to convince your customer that he's going to upgrade uh, or that he's going to buy additional units. So kind of these commissions change a lot. To be honest, what we've seen, it's hard for um, salespeople to sell both in a traditional way, the product and to sell subscriptions. So it's better to kind of split the sales team and say, okay, one part sells in a traditional way and the other part sells the new subscription model. But these, this part which sells subscription, they only sell subscription. They, they, they don't sell both. In your experience, when your clients are maybe going to a client of theirs, which they had always sold through transactional means and are now trying to sell them a subscription, how are you helping them package that up? That's a very different message, right? To go to your client and say, I know you've been buying a whole lot of these from me, but we've got this new offering over here and then educating your client and then their client on how this could work. I think there's a big part, as you said, about educating in a nice sense, the, the final customer. And basically in the, let's say, transactional model, it's a lot about, okay, what are the features which my product brings? In a subscription model, it's a lot more about kind of what are the solutions my product or my subscription, what are the problems that my, my solution solves, right? What are the problems that my subscription solves for the final customer? And so basically, you have to change and adapt, I think, your, your, your speech and, and really talk about what are the problems that it solves and underlying the fact that the, the, the operational risk is outsourced, that you have a fiscal optimization, uh, which can be done if you have flexibility, uh, et cetera, et cetera. This speech has to be adapted. There needs to be some education of the, the final customer. But then again, sometimes in, let's say, the public sector, uh, where you have tenders, public tenders, which are preconceived to be a selling model, uh, you have to convince and do some lobbying there uh, that they offer as a service, a subscription tender as well. I mean, in the light industry, in the lighting industry, they've done that. I mean, now there are public tenders, which are especially for light as a service. That's interesting. Kind of leads into my next question. Yeah, I don't know we, what we talked gonna... about, of course, auto and jet engines and, and now lights. Are there any 
industries or verticals that you're seeing which are kind of ripe for that sort of transformation to going from selling a particular product to selling what that product does as a service? I would say in the, um, let's say, building industry, so everything that relates to building, whether the, just the heating system, the, the, the lighting system, even the carpet as a service exists. I mean, so basically everything that is related to a, a building, let's say, I think is on a good track to become servitized or subscriptionized. Interesting. Do you see that? I mean, we've been largely focusing on industrial, but when it comes to maybe consumer residential, type products could you see a lot of these extending there as well yes i mean to be honest it's hard to find products which are not suitable for subscription to be honest Mm -hmm. really of course i'm biased but (laughs) so am i (laughs) (laughs) it's hard to to come up with products where it doesn't make sense yeah i totally Um, agree i agree with you that just about anything can be converted to subscription i think the way that you offer it needs to be somewhat tailored to that consumers are going to consume it, meaning that some of the traditional subscription models of charge them once a month for the exact same amount for the exact same service doesn't work in all cases. And I think even something as simple as, you know, I subscribe to dog food. My dog eats a fairly consistent amount of food, but it's not exactly the same every month, you know, for various reasons. And all of a sudden I'll go from, oh my gosh, are we going to make it to the next shipment comes in to, I have no more room in my freezer for any more of this, (laughs) you know, this food. So, you know, saying that subscription actually means recurring delivery, but the way that I'm going to work with my end consumer to decide when I'm going to deliver that product or service can be a little bit more fluid. It doesn't always have to be the first of the month or or, or whatever. It can be different intervals. It can be different amounts. Um, I think that's what everybody's trying to play with to make their products more viable. But of course, that creates complexities too. Yes, exactly. I mean, the aim as a subscription provider is really to build a relationship and to accompany your yeah. customers yeah. throughout their journey with you. An example which illustrates it pretty good, I think, is kind of baby clothes. A baby is growing rapidly. So basically, you need to change or have new clothes or buy new clothes every couple of months, right? And so basically, here it makes a lot of sense that as a baby clothes, distributor or a manufacturer that you offer some sort of subscription to your final customers and that after let's say two three four five months you take back the clothes and offer some new clothes as a subscription for the coming couple of months Um, and of course then you can say okay I, i don't like this color i don't like that color and kind of adjusting you can have some accessories um it allows to do cross and and upselling But the aim is really as a subscription provider to accompany your customer and to provide the best experience possible. I'm not saying best product possible, but kind of best solution, best experience. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Well, Florian, I feel like we could sit here and talk about this for hours longer. But if there are any particular questions that the listeners have that they want to reach out to you or just learn more about your products or services, what's your website and how can they get in contact with you? Our website, it's pretty easy as the company name, P2S, so P2S.be for Belgium. But if you type uh, P2S Management Consulting into Google, you should find us. I hope our SEO is good enough for us. up at the top. (laughs) I hope it is. Yeah, basically what we do, we help any type of manufacturer, distributor on their subscription journey, whether they 
are at the beginning of their thought process. Maybe they've already put in place something, but it didn't work out. So always happy to have a chat. And though you guys are based in Belgium, you'll work with organization anywhere around the world, right? I think as long as we speak the language and um, we have people that speak German, French, uh, Spanish, uh, Italian. Um, so I think the only boundary would be the time difference wouldn't be as easy to, to do a project in Australia for us, uh, for us in, in Europe. But other than that, yeah, there is no real uh, boundary. And COVID has helped in some way that we have digitalized our whole uh, process as well. So that we don't have to be physically with the customer. But then again, I mean, it's really nice to see the customer from time to time. Maybe one thing which I would like to add is that a subscription business model transformation, in the first place, it's about people. If you arrive as an external, let's say, consulting company at the new clients, there's going to be some fear or some distance. So basically, you have to familiarize and sensibilize people about what is this subscription concept about. And you have to have as much people as possible adhere to this new subscription. And ideally, a successful transformation is whenever we achieve that they come up with the work. We're not supposed mm -hmm. to be doing the work for the client. We have to give the right impulses left and right and to kind of ask the right questions that they come up with a solution almost. At some point, we will be gone. It will be in their hands, I would say. And if you want to succeed, every single one in the company has to kind of make this switch in mindset from ownership to usership and kind of really grasp the benefits of this subscription model and kind of truly live subscriptions. <laughs> it's a journey for sure, right? Yes. Well, Florian, thanks so much. Really enjoyed the conversation today and best of luck. Thanks, Nick. It was uh, very good talking to you and uh, always happy to exchange about the uh, subscription and anything else as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Take care. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Subscription Scale, sponsored by Rebar Technology. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share this episode with your network. 